Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman. Excited for today's episode with Dan Hawley, Senior Director of Corporate Partnerships with the Denver Broncos. And we're going to dive into Dan's journey path and a little bit of life lessons learned along the way, as well as uh, some of the, the things he's doing with the Broncos currently in terms of partnerships, how they're uh, changing, how they're evolving with COVID and, and all those sort of uh, fun things. So, Dan, nonetheless, welcome. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me on. Look forward to visiting you today. Absolutely. So, you know, everyone's journey starts somewhere. Uh, we were we were actually talking about Fort Collins and, you know, the, the, the summers I spent there playing, but you started uh, your journey with uh, something not sports related and uh, in that area. And you also spent some time in Wyoming College Athletics as well. So, just touch on kind of where you got started and how that's evolved uh, over your career path. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, I appreciate appreciate the time to get a chance to talk about my journey. I'll try to keep it short. Um, I have a unique background. My, my dad was in the Air Force. And so I, uh, he was actually a general in the Air Force, which means you move even more. And so I, I, uh, I literally lived all over the world kind of growing up. Um, I went to three, di- three, you know, 14 different schools growing up, three different uh, high schools. Uh, I graduated high school at the university or in uh, Washington, D.C. And then from there, I ended up uh, at the University of Wyoming. So you go from you know, Washington, D.C. to a, a town that's, you know, that has about 20,000 people when the, when the students are there. And I absolutely loved my time there. And that's actually where I first got my start was uh, when I was in college. So I was a, a junior in college and um, I had some folks came over and speak to our class about sports marketing. I knew I was in college business. I love marketing. I love, I love the aspects of uh, everything that went around it. And I just knew I wanted to get more specialized to it and having, you know, played a lot of sports growing up. Um, I, I always joke that I peaked in high school in terms of my athletic abilities. And so um, I, uh, I, I was like, you know what, I want to work in sports. And so I started working in sports there. Um, as an intern. And from there, it just really developed some relationships that really um, impacted just about every job that I've had to, to today. And so um, I started there as an intern. Um, I, I worked there through my, my, my senior year. And then after that, I started out right after that, I went to uh, Enterprise Rent-A-Car. I graduated college and the, uh, the guy who, you know, he was a senior associate athletic director at the time, who's now the AD there um, right now, um, he said, hey, I want to hire you, but I can't hire you for a year. There's somebody in this grad assistance program, and I will love you to come back to be a GA for marketing. So he's like, just go find a job for a year. So I went and did that at, at Enterprise, lived in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, and, and to this day, like when I interviewed for the Broncos, they uh, they asked me, like, what what one job career path like helped you the most? And I said, to be honest, I'm very fortunate, worked in a lot of different places, a lot of different schools. And a lot of different experiences, but where I really cut my teeth in the sales business and, and really customer service and like high pressure environments was was renting cars, right? So I rented cars at Enterprise for like a year, and um, and uh, I ended up winning some sales awards. And I was I, I found out I was pretty good at you know talking people into buying car insurance, and so um, that really uh, catapulted me into some uh, um, some new opportunities. And then when I uh, went back. So a year later, I went back to the University of Wyoming, started working there, and uh, I was a GA in the marketing department. And then he started, he, you know, that one of my first things was to start selling program ads and, you know, their portal signs or bomb signs at, at, at the games. And 
I started having some success with that. Well, um, a year into that program, um, that guy, um, his name's Tom Berman, a mentor to me, ended up being the, uh, he ended up leaving Wyoming to go be the AD at Portland State. And so at Portland State, he got it and he was at the Big Sky Conference. And so he heard that there was a really good director of marketing position at the University of Montana. And so I talked to, he called me about it and said, hey, I know the AD well, they've got a really good football program. Why don't you head up to, you know, once you apply and, uh, and I was like, you know, I got a year left on my grad, you know, my, my grad degree. And he's like, at this, your age to get a job like this at the age of 24 to be director of marketing at a division one school um, for a team that will probably win the national championship in football. He's like, that'll look good for you. And he's like, if you like Fort Collins, you'll love Missoula, Montana. It's very similar. And so um, I was like, okay, let's do it. So I applied and, and I ended up um, getting the job. Um, I flew in there in July and next thing you know, football season started ramping up and um, a lot of great people there. I loved my whole experience there. A lot of my good friends that I used to work with are still there. It's an awesome place to live. I went back um, this summer with my family, just the back to Missoula and, and uh, 19 years to the day of when I started there. Um, it was, it was kind of cool to kind of go back and see how Missoula's kind of changed. So yeah. They, yes. they, flew, yeah. they flew you in and they flew you in at the right time, July. I mean, like that couldn't have been any better. It was, uh, and I should have been smarter at the time because I was like, no, when football started, they're like, when do you want to start? And I was like, ah, I'll start in like three weeks. And I, I should have started the next day because then I was got, you know, football starting. It was nuts. I had, you know, I had to hire an assistant marketing director. I had to do all these different business plans and marketing plans and get posters made and, you know, all the, all things that you can kind of do. And so, but I love, I love that experience. Um, and then, uh, you know, they ended up being the inaugural capital one mascot of the year award. Uh, we ended up winning that. The next thing you know, I was like flying out to Super Bowls because our mascot was really good. <laughs> so um, it was a it was a fun time. Um, the atmosphere up there, I think we were featured on the cover to USA Today saying it was the best atmosphere in all of college sports. And so I used to have that on my resume when I was, you know, wanting to be, you know, in, you know, in sports marketing. I don't have it on when I applied for the Broncos. I was like, I finally deleted that off because I was so, like, yeah, they're, they're more about what have you sold for me lately? So, yeah. so best, best, you know, mascot, uh, you had to have worn the suit once, right? No, I never did. I was too, I was too tall. So like our mascot was short. And so he was, and so, uh, um, plus I think my head's too big to fit in it. And so, but it's, uh, but yeah, he was great. He went on to be, uh, Benny the bull for many years. And so he's a great guy named Barry Anderson. And so Barry's a legend in the state of Montana. And, and I just was along for the ride. I, I basically was just trying to make sure we wouldn't get any, you know, technical fouls on, in basketball or on, or uh, flags thrown because he was doing stupid, something stupid on the field. And so, yeah, so that's how I cut my teeth into the, the sports marketing kind of world. And, and I enjoyed it. I was there for two years. And then um, at that point, I was like, I want to be an AD. And so I was like, I need to get some fundraising experience. And so my alma mater was hiring for a, uh, a fundraising position. And so I, I went back. Um, so I went back to the University of Wyoming and I worked there in fundraising for a little while. And, and then uh, about a year and a half into that job, um, the, uh, the, we had a new athletic director. His name's Gary Barta, who's the AD at, at the longtime AD now at the University of Iowa. And so he was, uh, same thing, a great mentor to me as well and helping guide my career path. And so 
Um, Gary decided to bring in, uh, you know, move me downstairs. My office was right next to his and we started doing corporate partnerships for, uh, um, uh, really I did that for about a year. And uh, a few months into that, um, we got approached by a company called Learfield, which we didn't know what it was at the time and uh, did some homework and uh, Learfield at the time was really blowing up. And, and uh, obviously their success is Learfield IMG College was been, it was a really cool ride. And so I, that's where I caught on. I actually, we decided to bring them in a year later and I had the opportunity to stay in kind of you know, the same kind of role that I was doing and on the marketing side in the athletic department, or do I jump ship and, and work at Learfield? And so Learfield um, at, at the time, Wyoming was school number 19. And, and so they now have what, 250-ish or some, 200 and some. It was 127 when I left Learfield. I, I've lost track now, but they- uh, Dan, as um, you, when, when yeah. you think about the transition from fundraising to partnerships, right? A lot yeah. of people talk about that as being totally separate. Some people talk about it as being the same skill set. How did you go from one to the other? It was, it's a good point. And I found, I just kept gravitating because- you know, having it done, you know, different types of sales and even just sold, you know, selling some sponsorships, even while in Montana and kind of there before it, it, I always love the standpoint of being able to, you know, show to a business that this was working. Right. You know, and so um, it's the same skill set in terms of um, people, relationship skills and getting on the phones and not afraid to making phone calls and getting in front of people and getting meetings but it's just such a different ask. So when you're in the fundraising side, so many people are giving back to, cause it's their school that they love and the passion for it. And then a lot of times you're like, Hey, I can give you a really cool parking spot or I can, you know, I, I you know, but, but at the end of the day, a lot of them are doing it for the tax breaks and really for the feel good nature of, of supporting a school and really to help their schools get to that next level. And so I enjoyed it, but I still gravitated more to, the uh, corporate sponsorship side where you really get a, you know, when you go into there and they've got budgets to spend and you've got to figure out the best way that you're going to do it and really earn their trust because you want these long-term sales where a lot of times on these other gifts, they're maybe a one-time gift and they may do another gift a few years from now or five, 10 years from now, whatever that kind of may be. And you still have those relationships, but these other ones was, I just really took um, the, the passion of understanding of, of really figuring out you know, not every corporate sponsorship is the same. Everyone's different. I've always used the analogy that I view them as snowflakes. So everyone's, you know, different. If you're doing it right, you know, not, you know, one, you know, one sponsor, Bud Light sponsorship is going to look different than Cokes and, 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 and Verizon's or whatever it kind of may be. And, and you just get to know them a little bit better. And so I gravitated towards that. And then at the time, I saw a lot of people, not a lot, but a few ADs that had lost their jobs for some, you know, things that were off field issues and some things that, you know, there. And I, I really realized I was like, you know what, I don't want to work 20 years, become an AD, and then something happens that was out of your control and, and you lose your job and you kind of got to kind of start all over. I was like, you know, and so I gravitated towards Learfield and I got caught up in the shining lights from when you're in Laramie, Wyoming, and you see all the big schools in North Carolina and Wisconsin and Oklahoma and Alabama and all the histories and traditions and what you could do there. And so um, I jumped at that opportunity to do that. So then I worked at the University of Wyoming for Learfield though, for four years. Um, and I did that um, uh, myself and Chuck Schrader who now runs the University of North Carolina property um, him and I started that uh, that property there in, in an office probably the size of, you know, um, 
my bathroom now. <laughs> so it's a, it was like, you know, sitting back to back, making tons of phone calls. Like you can call it. No, you can call it. Like it was a, a unique experience that him and I still laugh about to this day. And, and then it kind of launched uh, from there. And then from there, I, I, uh, I ended up being with Learfield for 12 some years and uh, almost 13 and, and a variety of different roles and moved on to some other schools and, and uh, really, really uh, cherished my time there. What's the biggest thing that you've learned along the way, you know, between the being at the, the school property level versus the, you know, the national level, a little bit of the national sales, overseeing some regional aspects of things. And then now with, you know, an NFL team where, you know, you took, you take the zeros, you take it up a, a notch, right. And, and there's nothing necessarily vastly different about the deals, right. It's just a different context, different stage. Um, what's maybe one of the biggest lessons you learned along the way through those different uh, lenses? Yeah, good question. You know, a lot of it is, is still about relationships, right? And so that that's really how I've always approached kind of our kind of our deals. I'm a relationship seller in, in terms of, you know, if they're they're not just going to buy your your brand, you're gonna they're going to buy you kind of as well. And so, how are you going to kind of approach that? And so, um, it's kind of interesting. I always joke that I probably my experience working at a school at the University of Wyoming, who at the time was unfortunately didn't have a lot of wins on the football field and, and, uh, but there's so much passion in that state. There's so much great people. It's a, you know, a lot of people in that, that state um, where, where my parents are from and where my brother went and all of us went to school there um, have so much passion kind of there, but that, that sale was so different and it was harder, right? In terms of you look at, the following with the Broncos, the Denver Broncos having season ticket holders in every single state and the massive following, the social media following that we have and the support and the world championships. You don't, you know, there was no national championships at football at the University of Wyoming, right? You know, they did win the national championship in basketball back in, you know, in the, in, in the 40s, which they're very still, you know, as they should be still very proud of. And, um, but that really it was more about you know, what programs kind of work there. So really the experience of working at a, at a school of that size, it, I felt like I had to work harder. I had to, I had to go farther. I had to go see more people. I had to get on the phones um, even more so. And so you just had to become a grinder, right? And I think that's really what set me up for success when, you know, you know at the time, you know, we were, you know, on Fridays, we were sending in spreadsheets. I made this many phone calls, this many presentations and doing those types of things. This is well before, you know, we started using CRMs to the, to, to the day, you know, that we do now and, and, and can track some things. And so that's really what helped me, but you're hundred percent right. You know, my sales pitch, you know, from whether I was at Boise state or when I was a VP of national sales at Learfield, you know, selling multiple schools. And, and, you know, if we're asking for naming rights here, not much of that has really changed for the most part. It, at the end of the day, it, it, you're right. It's different zeros. It's different things there. Um, the pro level does have some advantages over colleges in, ter in terms of the types of you know, player access and unique events that you can kind of put on and, and uh, you know, what else you can kind of do there. So that was a little bit of a learning curve when I made the, made the jump over to the, to the league. Um, but it was, uh, but yeah, you're right. But it, like I said, the relationship side, skill set that I developed there really from when I started at enterprise, you know, they, they, they had to trust you then, you know, and they still need to trust you now. And what I love about the sports world is so many people that I great friends that I had when I, you know, from my Learfield career have either gone on to other places and we still touch base, whether they 
you know, coworkers of yours at the PGA or, you know, some of my friends that are also at the NFL or NBA or Major League Baseball. And it's all about relationships. And, and whenever you pick up the phone, everyone still feels like you're part of that family. And I really think that's really helped my, my, my career for sure. How do you how do you go about. Dan, you know, you talk about your network and, and the context and the relationships you build over time. How do you utilize that to your advantage um, to exponentially learn, right? Obviously, you're learning with where you're at and where your feet are, but also to rely upon your relationships to, to help you and then help others as well as you kind of everyone goes throughout the, the journey together. Yeah, no, good question. I'm, uh, I'm starting to get more gray hair, and, which means it's uh, my kids keep making fun of it, but it's because I've done it a long, I've been in this business a long time and it's because you know, it's obviously stressed out for always hitting sales goals is I think is really what it probably is. But really, um, at the end of the day, it's my journey is, is, is really been able to, you know, I just have always just kept, you know, in touch with good, you know, whether they're good friends or somebody that I've done business with. If I haven't talked to somebody in three years, I, you know, it, for some reason, it's because maybe because I moved around so much when I was a kid, it felt like whenever I run into somebody at a different airbase over the years, it felt like it was a long lost brother or, or, or friend. And so, I've always tried to have those relationships so that I know I could pick up the phone and call somebody. So because of that, I've got relationships, whether it be, you know, really just about any league right now, um, you know, fortunately, because, you know, and to be able to compare the notes, right? And so as we started to go down the sports betting journey here in Colorado, that was the, probably the best way to really put your network to, to kind of a test to be able to pick up the phone to say, hey, um, you know, what are you guys doing at your team? What's your strategy? How many different partners are you guys looking to bring in? How are you guys approaching, you know, designation and being able to do that across the board. So then we, as a team, we come back together and could kind of compare notes and you're kind of constantly learning to figure out how, how best is it going to be to structure a kind of a category, right? And so at the pro level, categories are, are really everything, right? And it's really to be able to know if you're over indexing or under indexing in these particular categories. And that's really just being able to help to get a better understand. Like, I'm not going to call anybody and ask like, Hey, how much did, you know, so-and-so sponsor spend with you guys? But I, I will call them to ask about how their deal came together and what was the timeline, what was the process. And so that's how I'm always constantly learning because every one of these categories is so different. And that's why I love the business is, every day is a, you know, is, 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 is so unique in terms of figuring out these big puzzles of, of sponsorships and trying to put them together. Well, and you, you mentioned the, the sports betting space. I mean, that was a first, right? Yep. So there weren't a whole lot of best practices to try and rely upon in that sense as well. And then eventually once you get that deal done, people are calling you to go, Hey, how do we do this? How do we do that? So what was that experience like? Yeah. Obviously, that it was kind of a whirlwind experience. And when I say whirlwind, we worked on it really hard, though, for two years. But it got whirlwind because once, right when COVID was starting to, the, the, the nation was starting to lock down, we were trying to lock down our corporate, our, our, our deals we've been working on for two years. And we had shaken hands at the Super Bowl at Miami, and we felt really good about what these deals were going to look like. And honestly, like, our deals changed from the, the three partners and the strategy that we signed this year. Yeah, we were fortunate. We were the first ones to announce a, you know, the, the a sports betting deal in the, in the NFL. 
Um, and, and so because of that, the phones did start ringing off the hook from people who I didn't know who started to, you know, to, to figure out kind of our network and what we're doing, but it was good because it, it, it really kind of helped us, you know, get a better understanding what others were doing. And so that's probably a bad example of us calling around and trying to figure out, um, you know, how did that, um, how did that strategy kind of come to, to, to be, we did talk to others in the space. Um, it was great to talk. The New York Jets had, had already kind of went down the path kind of a year ago and had, had had a little longer runway in terms of kind of ramping up. And so we we compared a lot of notes on kind of how they approach some things. But then, you know, every state's a little bit different in terms of sports betting. And and uh, and so now you're right. You know, we, we've made a lot of friends lately and, and uh, of folks reaching out, whether you know, people even on our activation team or my team on, on really figuring out how this, uh, how this kind of came to be. But yeah, network and relationships is, is, is key to, to kind of help pull those off. Well, now you can rely upon those people from a naming rights perspective, right? Yes, yes, exactly right. No, and it's, you know, having gone through the naming rights experience from when I was in college and having gone through it at the NFL level and you know, I talked to some folks down, you know, that the, the New Orleans Saints are kind of going through it right now. And so they, they, they had chatted about their process and, you know, how they're kind of going about it and they have the Jersey patch. And so a lot of it's the same, like you mentioned before, it's just may have a different zero or, 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 but it's still the same sales process and really trying to get a better understanding, you know, kind of the markets. Right. And so we were just very fortunate on the sports betting space that, you know, we're one of the first states that ended up going legalized betting. We weren't the first, but kind of, you know, top five. Um, but knowing the, the size of our brand and, and, and knowing this was a competitive space for everyone to get a license that um, we were going to try to figure out a strategy. And so a lot of conversations from literally all over the world to, to get it to the point where we're at and really happy to ha how it all figured out. And we still want to have relationships with all those other ones because who knows, like, you know, five, six years, however long it is from now, if, you know, if marketing strategies change for those sports betting partners, like we want to be able to, you know, call those guys to say, you know, would you like to take, you know, so-and-so's place, right? But it's, uh, um, but yeah, that was, that was a fun, fun process for sure. You know, as you think about your journey and, and we've covered a lot in terms of your experiences, but then you mentioned something earlier on at the episode about how you moved around, around a lot as, as a kid and, you know, what that's taught you from a versatility perspective, you know, throughout your career, what advice do you have for those uh, from a moving around perspective? And then also, you know, at what point uh, are you able to, you know, a lot of people will just move around, move around, move around, and then they get to like a region, right, where they feel comfortable in a region, and they kind of have their contacts, and they maybe move around. At what point do you feel like you can be in that region? Yeah. It's a good point. I've kind of stumbled upon the region and more for uh, different say, I wasn't afraid. Like when I went to Learfield and I looked at that map, right? And like I said, it was only 19 schools, but there were logos all over the country. And I think it was the goal of Learfield that point was to fill in every state and ha have one in every state. And the biggest thing to grow, um, you know, really was not being afraid to move around. And the way I've kind of thought about it, because as a kid, I was so used to it. I kind of looked for, and this was pre-Facebook, right? You know, it was a lot, and it was kind of, you know, really pre-email to date myself in terms of a lot of times when I moved, I was like, ah, I'll never see that guy again, or, you know, never see that that buddy again. And it's kind of fun to recircle back 20 years later and 
I used to, I, I joked with my wife when I first got on Facebook. I was like, I'm only jumped on Facebook just to see what my ex-girlfriends all look like because I haven't seen them in you know 20 some years, right? You know, and so so that was um, so that was a different you know kind of approach in terms of like you know about moving around. But when you look at the region, you're right in terms of I think that's really how I got hired on at the Broncos. I was the VP of National Sales down in Plano, Texas living on an airplane, covering a territory, um, a lot of Texas, um, but I also covered Colorado. And so that was one of the things I think where, you know, you know, the Broncos liked me was from the standpoint is I did have a lot of regional contacts, not only just, you know, nationwide or globally from all the different types of conversations and deals that you've had, um, but you did fall into that kind of region. And, and so it, it really kind of helped me there. But the best advice I got when I looked at that Learfield map and they said, to circle back was not being afraid to move. And the way one of my one of my VPs at the time said, "Listen, I'm not asking you to go move to you know Boise, Idaho for 10 years or 15 years and set up roots, right? You just you may move there and, and fall in love with the place, which I did, right? And so I I'm, I'm very fortunate that I do have a second home up in the mountains near Boise, and so I still sneak up there from time to time. But they um you know, I still remember that advice. He's like, you can go there for, you know, four or five years, however long, you know, at some point, if you're in sales, you may get, you may get tired of, of, of calling on the same people or the same group. And you may want to reach out to a new region or new folks and, you know, kind of, you know, keeps the job kind of fresh. Other people within Learfield have been there for 20 plus years and they love, they, they like that. Right. I think for me, because I did move around so much as a kid, moving was a natural thing. And I just wanted to continue to grow my career. And I would, I'm willing, I'm to this day willing to move anywhere. Even though my wife's from Colorado, my parents live in Colorado Springs. I love the Denver Broncos. I love the organization. I love the family. They've been, they've been awesome. Um, you know, just our whole team has been very supportive. So it'd take a lot for me to move now, but for the right opportunity, I fortunately, um, you know, not afraid to move. And I think that does make you, um, I do think when recruiters reach out to you and other people do talk to you about it, I think that does make you more marketable. Um, and I've always just said, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to move there and ask my kids to, you know, go to college or go to college in that state or that country and, and, and get married there and raise their families either. It may happen that way, but um, that's the best way I've kind of always approached it. Well, and there's this notion of, of like, you know, if you move from place to place to place, maybe it's one year, one year, one year, like that's to some people kind of frowned upon, but it's yep. others, they're like, wow, this person has this many perspectives and experiences and so on. And, and there's kind of this differing of opinion just based on, you know, your own lens. And as you've not only gone through that experience, but also you know, hired people that you sift through resumes and you go, okay, well, this person's been here for five years versus someone, you know, in one place versus someone who's been five different places for a year each. How do you go about just understanding the person and what they have to offer from that perspective, putting the, the moves aside? That's a, it's a good, it's a good point, right? You know, and so the way I've kind of looked at that, there's a couple different ways. I, you're right. I'm turned off when I look at a resume and it's a job hopper. So somebody's there six months, one year, you know, next job year, next job year. If you're younger in your career, I'm not as worried about it because, you know, sometimes there's these opportunities that you can't pass up and you, it, it was the best move for you kind of at the time, right? I moved around a lot when I was at Learfield, but it, 
really wasn't that much. I worked at a lot of different schools, but I still like on my resume, it still shows I was at the same company for 13 years, right? Or 12 years, right? And so, so that's, that's, so like that looks a little bit different when you kind of look at it that way. But when I really look at the people is, you know, there's three things. And I learned this really about six, seven years ago. And we use it to this day when we hire people at the Broncos, there's three traits that we look for. And, and, uh, um, and, and really, um, it's really, you look for three things, hungry, humble, and smart is whenever I interview anyone, those are the things I look for the most hungry is that moving around place. Right. And so when I look at that, we have a lot of people on our team. We have a guy that moved out here from, we have a guy from Australia. We have a guy from, um, we have a guy from, uh, Philadelphia. We've got somebody else from Atlanta, somebody else went to the university of Alabama, um, and then we have a lot of people here that are, you know, born and raised natives of Colorado that are here too. And everyone's a little bit there. So when I look at them, when I hire them, I look for a hungry, humble, and smart. And I just want to make sure that they're hungry. I, I want them to be hungry, not to go and, you know, the grass is going to be greener and they just jump at the next job, but I want them to be hungry to grow within kind of the organization. And so that's where I want, I want them to have my job um, or my boss's job. Right. And, and I want them to go that way. And so if they need to make some other career moves when they're younger, all for it. But it's just how they go about it. And how does that kind of look for it? I, I still a lot of young people I've hired today who've gone on and have great careers going right now. We're still very close. And I still I'm still not mad that they left and quit on me at one, at one point because it's you know, I had to do it as well. Um, but I do you know, I do ask for somebody to you know, stay a couple of years. I, I did, one of my mentors did tell me after I stayed, you know, I accept the job of the Broncos. He's like, do me a favor. He's just stay there a while. He's like, it's a great place, great organization. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I was just at the same place for 13 years. And he's like, he's like, oh, good point. I didn't think of it that way. He's like, he goes, he goes, you're just so damn motivated. <laughs> and so, um, and so I still remember that uh, when he, when he kind of told me that. And so, um, but yeah, that's a good question. So, let's let's wrap up with some rapid fire because uh i always enjoy uh the the responses but as you think about the many different places you've moved and lived what's the best one yeah uh, the base of the mountains in italy so it was uh base of the alps so a little place called aviano italy and so it's an hour from venice and so um that was that was spectacular um once again i mentioned i like to you know i'd like to ski and so um, skiing at the Alps was all right there and not far to get to Austria and Switzerland. And so some of those areas that, that, that was great. I absolutely love that. So, so ski, skiing is obviously the, one of the go-to activities. And you know, oh, I was yeah. going to ask, I was going to ask where you go. My assumption is, is Europe, but if you had to go somewhere domestically to ski, where are you going? Yeah. I love Jackson, Wyoming. And not that cause I went to the university of Wyoming. I actually never, I skied there one time when I was in college, but I hadn't skied there for 20 years. And so I went last year. And so um, it's just so different. It's a, the, the Tetons are a special place. The people there are great. It's steeper. I, th this, the, you know, I like, I like steep. I like powder. Like that's the way I, I don't like, you know, I don't like the, you know, kind of the groomed runs kind of everywhere. And so that's what you get at, at, at a place like Jackson. So good question. As, as you think about, um, you know, the different towns the you know, you got obviously your college town, uh, Denver being a much bigger town. Yeah. Um, what's it, what's, what's special about, you know, the Montana's and, and the Wyoming's and Boise's and cause you know, when, when you think about big opportunities, right, there's big opportunities everywhere, no matter where yeah. you go, what, what location, what context, but whenever you think about big opportunities, people think 
you know, NFL, New York, LA, Miami, like that's kind of the, the mindset at first, but how, how would you challenge someone to think outside the box in terms of where you've been? Yeah, no, that's a, it, I could probably go on and on about that one, but I mean, obviously the people, and a lot of the people I worked with 20 years ago, like I said, are, you know, are still there and it's like, they're in different jobs and roles and done that. And I, I really admire those places, like those, those folks that have been able to do that and, you know, you know, set, you know, set their, you know, you know, watch their family live in the same house for, you know, 20, 30 years. Like, unfortunately that's not what my lifestyle was growing up. So I'm not, I wasn't used to that. My wife lived in the same house her whole life until she went to play college soccer and then she met me and, and uh, then we bounced around a little bit. And so, but no, that is, you know, a lot of people just think about, Oh, Hey, it's, it's a, it's a slower lifestyle. And, you know, and you, you kind of hear that a little bit as compared to the fast New Yorks and, you know, those things. And it's not necessarily the case. It's a, it's a great quality of life. Um, it's outstanding people that you get to know and work with. There's just as much passion for people that will care for, you know, University of Wyoming football as there is for the Denver Broncos or Boise State basketball as there is for the Lakers. Cause these, that's what those fans, that's what they have. They don't have a lot of pro teams in their backyards. And so I've always felt, you know, the people that work in those industries have to just work so much, so much harder cause you have to do so much more with less, right? You know, and it's like, you know I always admired those, the, the folks that, you know that work in those, you know division twos, division threes like NAIA schools where, hey, not only are they the head, you know, you know, softball coach, but they also book all the facilities, right? You know, and so they 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 wear they do multiple hats to do the jobs that they love, right? And so, I think that's that's kind of where that mentality is. Doesn't mean I, I used to always joke. I remember I had a good friend that he left from the University of Wyoming. He went to go work at the University of Oklahoma in fundraising, and I was like, you know what? Like you just have to pick up the phone. Um, when you're at Wyoming, when you go to Oklahoma, you just open envelopes and see what, how much, how much cash and how many checks are coming in. Right. You know? And so we used to, we used to always kind of laugh about that. And, uh, um, and, and so in and everyone that I've known that I, you know, others that have worked in that industry at those sizes of schools that have kind of moved on to, to great things. I worked, like I said, some great athletic directors, you know, worked at Wyoming. One of my mentors, Mark Coyle, was the AD at Boise State, went on to be the AD at Syracuse and is also the AD now at the University of Minnesota. And seeing how hard those guys work because they they cared so much passion. Their eye wasn't on the ball for the next job. Those jobs just found them because they're good people, right? You know, and they just were willing to, they were just willing to move, right? And where there's others in those beautiful parts of the country that I love so much now, and what, you know, to this day, like, you know, I'm like, hey, it would be nice, nice to move back to Missoula and ski a little bit more and, and, and take up fly fishing. That's the one thing I've never, I lived in all these places in the, you know, outdoors and I still don't know how to fly fish. You think I'd I figure gonna, that out? I was going to ask, what's the <laughs> activity you haven't done? So fly fishing, you, you yeah, answered. There, there you go. Yeah, fly fishing. So last, last two for you. You said you peaked in sports in high school. So if yeah. you had to play a position on the field right now for the, for the Broncos, what would you be? Oh man, that's, that's a good, you know, right now our kicker has been amazing. <laughs> he's like, he's one special teams player, the player of the week, two years or, or two weeks in a row, six for six breaking records against the Patriots. But no, I, I, um, you know, I grew up playing basketball and when you live, I lived in Germany 
for almost 10 years growing up. And so I, over there, you played a lot of soccer, right? And so I always viewed myself as kind of more of a speed guy. So I'd probably, I'd probably be, uh, you know, somebody more at the time, I thought I was fairly fast, you know, I've, I've lost a step in these, you know, I've had about 10,000 cheeseburgers since then. And so um, I, I would probably want to play something on offense, um, probably like a wide out um is probably what it would, would be but I, i'm one of those guys like i always want the ball like that's why i like basketball i love playing like i love being a point guard and like you know always having the ball but um but i don't know i'd go all over the place i don't think i could answer that one i also like hitting people so i like being a safety as well because i was like always just covering for people's mistakes is the way i looked at it you're so. you're you're the utility guy on special yeah. teams. like whatever whatever position needed you're in uh, Perfect. Exactly. I'd, I'd go and I'd go pick up the tea. I'd do whatever. Like that's, that, that's probably the way I kind of always looked at it. So, but yeah. Go. All right. Last. thing as we wrap up, obviously you've flown quite a bit with, with the various roles that you've had favorite airline and best airline tip as yeah. we'll hopefully get back to traveling at some point soon. I'm, that's a good question. I've flown a lot of different places. I also work extremely close with United Airlines. They're a great partner of ours. So I, I say, you gotta that's gonna, make sure. that, that's gonna be an easy one. So it'll definitely be United. They, they, you know, the way they approach their business class and, and not saying that's where I fly, you know, we do have that uh, opportunity and that's who flies our team. Like they, their support kind of there. You know, really these, you know, a lot of people are, are, are scared. And I had a nice call with them not too long ago. And a lot of people are nervous about traveling and with COVID and, you know, they're like, you know, they're like airlines are, you know, safe. They take, they recirculate the air. It's not recircalized. It's like right back out there and they're bringing in fresh air kind of all the, all, all the time. Right. And so, but I, I say the way that the best traveling tip for me is when I really started that Learfield role and I was literally flying all hours of the night is like, my traveling tip was I was so worn out from being on the road and doing emails and getting caught up. And I see all those guys, you know, all these people grinding and you can barely fit with the laptop in front of you down and trying to type. I always book as late a flight as you can get, as long as it's not a red eye. I've done the Seattle to Miami. I'm never doing that again. But I will, um, and then go into a conference the next morning. That, that, that yeah, was not, that, not a good I idea. Yeah, not a good idea. But I, uh, like for me, book, book, book a flight when you don't aren't expected to be on email um, and then fly late and then that way just get noise canceling headphones get a window seat you know on an ipad and actually just enjoy the flight and watch a movie or get caught up i watched the whole series of breaking bad at first and went, you know the whole time and then i realized people could see the reflection at night on the window behind me and when they're killing people on the on breaking bad i was like this is probably not good if i'm sitting next to a kid so now window shade down and watch a good watch a good movie or read a good book is the way it is because when i'm flying during the day i always feel like i have to be re responding to emails or responding but sometimes at night like when you fly that late at night flight just you know you know mentally get just caught up and, and enjoy a good book or a good movie oh that's great great thought and uh dan really appreciate you know providing us the time and the insights learning about your journey the lessons learned along the way and certainly uh, can take a thing or two from from your book so really appreciate it and uh hope to have you on again in the near future appreciate it thanks jen say say hi to all my friends there we talked about earlier about the pga tell them i said hi so you got appreciate it, it.